Welcome to Dad Rocks, a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. And now, your hosts, Josh and Joe. Hello, and welcome to Dad Rocks, the podcast about being a dad and loving music and how the two intersect in our lives. I'm your host, Josh, and today I'm joined on the show by the hosts of the Rock Docs podcast, David Lizerbram and Andrew Keats. I came across their podcast when former guest to our podcast, Rob Mitchum, tweeted about an episode of their show about the fish documentary that he uh, guested on. So on the episode that they discussed that fish documentary, um, and he was a guest on because he is a massive fish head. Um, I soon checked out their show, and I really enjoyed what I heard. And when I found out they were both dads of young kids, I knew I had to have them on the show so that we could talk about things that we all understand and love and appreciate. So welcome to the show, guys. Josh, thanks for having us. Thanks. I had a kid only to qualify to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that makes me feel fantastic. I appreciate that. You know, when we have guests who want to be on the show, it's always a, a good thing. I, like I said, I really like your podcast. I really appreciate your podcast. I love music documentaries. Um, I know Joe and Steve do too, and they're, you know, they're disheartened they cannot be here for this, uh, this recording. Um, so it's really fun to listen to you and your guests talk about the different films, especially when I've seen them and have strong opinions about them, like the Robbie Robertson one that you guys always talk about. <laughs> Once for Brothers. What's, what's, what's your take yes. on, on Once for Brothers? Oh, my God. I, th I think I tweeted it at you guys about yeah. it. Um, I am a big fan of the band. Uh, I read Levon Helm's book back in, what, uh, 2006, 2007. Like, I was obsessed with them, Got bought all their albums, was watching The Last Waltz several times. Uh, actually, in college, when I saw The Last Waltz, I thought Robbie Robertson was one of the lead singers uh, based on that. And then after reading, you know, getting all the albums, realizing that's not, and then reading Levon's book, I had a pretty sour taste in my mouth about him. Basically, that documentary, I felt like if you take Levon's book and Robbie's book, uh, documentary and smash them together, you get a pretty accurate um, history of the band. But um, basically, I agreed with everything you guys talked about on that. On that. So have you episode. have you have you watched the the Le the Levon doc? The yes, I, I have. Yes, yes, I, yes. I think it's it's really interesting to me, and I might have said something like this on that episode. It's really interesting to me how uh, consistent the Robbie doc is with Robbie. And the Levon doc is with Levon in terms of yeah. the Robbie doc is slick. Scorsese produced it. He's got all these famous friends that come in and talk about how great he is. Right. Uh, it's this well-crafted image of himself. Whereas the Levon doc is, is sort of hard scrabble. The director isn't isn't this well-known guy. It's him at the end of his life, sort of uh, uh, you know scrambling to put it all together. Uh, there are famous people there, but they're not. You know, it doesn't qu feel quite so grubby. Um, it's it, it's really interesting to me how uh, how uh, how much their their sort of post band personalities come through in those two movies. Yeah, it's uh, it really it, you're you're spot on with that, uh, and it's it's more interesting to you know to think about their approach to the band and how Robbie wanted to take it to this slick like oh let's get into the Malibu recording sessions and you know make everything perfect and hearing about how the last waltz was basically overdubbed like 90% of it um and then with the Levon doc it's you know basically him being this uh, you know 
grassroots type guy uh, doing his thing, constantly touring uh, with his electric, was it the Electric Dirt Farmer Band at the time? Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, and I just want, you know, I brought that up because you guys keep bringing that up on your podcast, <laughs> that that uh, that uh, doc. And um, it is worth seeing. It is worth seeing. But um, I think for fans of the band, uh, you, you're getting the Robbie side of things, which is, I thought it was great with that they, he actually talked about like the backstory more, which is always uh, kind of like the most interesting part of the band because people forget that they they played for like a decade before they hit it big. Yeah, that's right. so, um, so speaking of your podcast, I mean, this podcast was something that had been in the back of my head for several years. Like once my son was born, it was something that had been churning and thinking about. Um, but it wasn't until the pandemic that uh, I, you know, talked to Joe and Steve and we're like, let's do this. And we actually made it happen. So how did your podcast start? Was it a similar thing or was it just like, yeah, let's finally do this? Yeah. Uh, well, Andy and I have been friends for years and we have kids almost the same age, um, about five. Uh, and, um, we live like a mile from each other. And so uh, <laughs> when um, the first shutdown happened, we kind of, uh, our families did kind of a pod, which was like a very 2020 oh, nice. kind of phenomenon, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all remember po- how you had a pod. That was so much fun. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pod nostalgia. Um, and um, like he, they would, he and his wife would drop their kid off, uh, you know, and we'd kind of share a babysitter or whatever or nanny or whatever. And um, and then on the weekends, we'd hang out because we had, like, nobody to hang out with. Not that I didn't want to hang out with you, Andy, and, you know, your lovely <laughs> family, but um, <laughs> we were sort of trapped. Um, and so we would, you know, be barbecuing, whatever. And um, our wives would be talking about, like, every normal thing that people talk about. And Andy and I would just only be talking about like the history of the Eagles <laughs> like over and over again. And, um, to the point that it was like, you're talking about music documentaries again. And, you know, kind of comparing notes, Did you see this one. Oh, I just checked out that one, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, yeah, I think it was just kind of one of those things where you get two uh, middle-aged dudes together, uh, talking about a topic and then a podcast just naturally evolves. Um, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, we don't, we'd both have, uh, you know, experience doing podcasts. So it wasn't that much of a leap to be like, well, um, we should, we should do one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like a topic that we love music documentaries and there, you know, I was kind of like surprised that there really wasn't not just a podcast focused on it, but also that there's not a lot of content for lack of a better term about the topic. Meaning there's not yeah. like, you know, a blog or a, anything about you know there's 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 no journal about music documentaries there's nobody you know it's just kind of like a thing that like everybody knows about nearly everybody i know has seen at least some of them whether it's like you know my parents or any you know about like they're from everybody knows this genre exists and it obviously is making money because they're putting out thousands of these things so somebody's watching them Mm -hmm. and yet it seemed to be kind of like under the radar in terms of conversation so it was like well if we're interested in this maybe somebody else is and uh yeah, there we go. We just started doing it. Yeah, it was like the select few. Uh, there would, you know, be one or two a year that would get the treatment where they, you know, they did a, a little media tour. Maybe they ended up on Marin to promote the show, either the director yeah. or one of the stars of the band. Um, but for the most part, these documentaries would pop up. They'd go through people's Netflix algorithm, and even your friends. Uh, one thing I always notice is like my friends who aren't that into music, people who who don't go to a lot of concerts, for instance, or or don't like keep up with new releases 
have opinions about music documentaries Be- because mm. like the you know the the streaming services recommend them to you and they're they're a pretty good passive watch you know um, it's a good thing to have in the on in the background if you're cooking or or whatever and so I always noticed that a lot of people were, were watching these things and so when Dave and I started talking about this idea it, it started to seem very peculiar to me that there wasn't already some form of content whether it was like a, a really slick blog or a podcast or something that would give you sort of supplemental reading supplemental content after you watch these things um, so I kind of just thought it was a good idea I, I have to admit it I think it was David's idea original originally but um, but it, it just struck me as a pretty pretty obvious opportunity it, I was too shocked that you they were you guys were the only podcast out there with it I would assume there would have been many yeah. like when I saw that post from Rob I was like Oh, okay, let me check this out. And there's got to be like other ones out there. And you guys were the only one you had just started. And, you know, when I when we started this one, I really thought, you know, there's not many podcasts or I, I looked up like not podcasts where you th- talk about parenting, fatherhood and music and kind of like, you know, and, th- and ours is like a harder topic to kind of meld together because you're talking about two different things where you guys like kind of hit the, you know got some gold with you because it's, it's yes. you really you really found something special found that the fact that there's this niche subject was not covered yet yeah. so uh and you definitely you know i i'm appreciate you know again i appreciate the fact that you guys put this together but um yeah that's that's awesome that you got i mean do you guys record together or or you still do like virtually we record together uh, when it's just the two of us, typically, uh, unless sometimes things get in the way and it's easier to just uh, put the kids to bed and record mm-hmm. downstairs remotely. It's um, kind of rare. That, guests, it's kind of rare that none of our kids are sick or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The last uh, the last six months have have had a lot of interrupted uh, recording sessions for COVID, um, and then uh, or other sickness, I should say. Yeah. Um, and then when when we have guests, are are sort of. Uh, most of our guests aren't in San Diego, and so right. we don't have a, a way to for us two to record together with somebody else remotely. So those those recordings are just always re- yeah. uh, remote. No, I was just curious because I remember I used to help out with a friend's podcast way back in the day, and it would be like four of us in the same room with a mixer. And um, you know, I would love to do a live podcast with Steve and Joe, but you know, none of us have a, a mixer at the moment, and it's it is just easier just coming down to the basement or going wherever and just setting up a Zoom and figuring everything else out later so um but yeah no it it, it's that's it's i think now nowadays we have the best of both worlds because you can do both yeah you can like hang out with your friend in person or you can hang out with your friend virtually and you know and and get that done um so i know you guys have discussed this on your podcast but can you explain to our audience what makes a rock doc a rock doc versus just a music documentary or another film Andy, David, you want to hop in on this? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, okay. Our podcast nominally is about music documentaries. So that we def- we're defining that, bro- you know, sort of as, um, first of all, it has to be more or less nonfiction. There can be elements that are questionable, but by and large nonfiction, right? So it's not a biopic, which is, you know, we're defining as a movie, you know, music biopic is a movie where actors are playing musicians, right? Uh, people who actually live. So like, Bohemian Rhapsody or Ray or whatever. Those are biopics. Uh, Coal Miner's Daughter. Um, And then, uh, you know, kind of where the line is, is uh, concert films versus, uh, you know, Mm. versus documentaries. So, you know, Stop Making Sense is just a concert film. Uh, There's no, 
there's no narrative element to it other than like what you can kind of see from the con- the same narrative you essentially would get from going to a concert. Um, there's no talking right. heads. There's no text. Um, something like the last waltz is kind of on the you know on the fringe. Wait, hold on. I, just, I, I missed a, a moment because you said there was no talking heads, but in stop making sense, it's all talking. <laughs> it's all talking heads. Yes, oh, it's true. Oh, well, okay. Yes. <laughs> that, okay. Well, yes. There's like uh, seven of them. Um, <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, there's no Dave, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. Dave Grohl jumping in to tell you right, about right, 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 band right. is or Bruce Springsteen or whoever. Um, and then uh, yeah, so where yeah, so so the ones that are kind of like on the verge uh, or on the line are like the Last Waltz um, or um, Rattle and Hum. Give me shelter. Give me shelter. Yeah, mm. those are the ones which we you know maybe we'll get to those. Um, and um, yeah, so so more or less we're focusing on documentaries, and then also we kind of defined it as it has to be like feature length to be you know, discuss to so like a 15 minute, you know, YouTube, you know, dude on YouTube talking about whatever, you know, some thing about music is great, but it doesn't really fit the format of our show. Um, so, you know, it's got to be an hour plus. And uh, really, that, that's kind of our target. But um, then yeah. we just disregard those rules and do what we want. We also we really confuse matters with starting in episode one with Rolling Thunder Review, uh, which for not especially clear reasons, Martin Scorsese and Bob Dylan decided to highly fictionalize many accounts, including <laughs> including casting actors to play parts that did, that they were not. Uh, so, but but uh, nonetheless, we're still called that a documentary. Yeah, um, you know, I, that's what I, I was curious about some of these things because there are so many like concert films where it's a concert film but also documentary. One of them I was thinking about the other day, which I've I watched a lot, um, was like, the, have you guys seen Standing in the Shadows of Motown? Yeah. Um, which about the Funk Brothers? Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, because you have it's literally like a documentary with a concert film, like with a concert, like you know, it, it, you know, put in there. Um, so I wasn't sure if that would be considered a rock doc or if that would be a concert film or. You know. Yeah, I think I think we I think it would be a rock doc. I think I think that would be a something we could we could get to the sort of. I mean, the thing is, there's just there are so many music documentaries. Yeah. You know, we we are not. Uh, it, uh, hungry for material really at all no. so I think we will eventually get to a lot of these <laughs> these classic music documentaries or excuse me classic concert films but for the most part we haven't yet yeah no no I you have you do have plenty of stuff and yeah. Netflix keeps churning them out and sure you know, everyone just keeps churning out everything um so one thing I, I I really like about your podcast is how varied the documentaries have been like the show has been it really has pushed me to watch some more documentaries like the Zappa one I knew about, I forgot about. And then your documentary totally reminded me about. It, so I sat down and watched it. The Mavis Staples one, I I think I just maybe even blanked on that even existing. I got to sit down and watch that one. So how do you guys decide which documentaries you're going to discuss on the show? Well, it's highly scientific, and when and when when the machine spits out an answer, we do not ask any questions. <laughs> um, it's it's like it's like that scene in uh, Willy Wonka when the, the 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 guy the machine spits out where the where the last uh, certificate is. Right. Um, now we basically, you know, the 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 easiest ones are when we have a guest, we allow them to pick. So we just say, well, you know, did, did you have one in mind that you wanted to do? Um, and then we had been organizing them into seasons of like 10 episodes or so. Mm-hmm. And so once you s- sort of had a few that the guests had picked, maybe David or I had one that we really wanted to do, we started triangulating from there how we could make sure that the selections were varied. 
So we would try to say, okay, this is from the 90s. Could we get something from the 60s or 70s? This is rock. Could we get something that's R&B or rap or soul? Um, can we, you know, how, how can we make sure to, to sort of represent the diversity of, of music in general? Um, because there are so many of these movies that, like, if you give it any thought, you can, you can really cover the whole spectrum, um, or at least you could, you could try to. Now, we do sort of have an ugly tendency to fall into some... Uh, middle-aged white dad stereotypes. Um, so I'm still waiting on the Wilco one. Yeah, uh, you know, still waiting. <laughs> no, we can't just run in first with Wilco. We're like we're we're, we're trying to and, to hide our, our our proclivities here. And Andy, Andy, and I are both going to the Wilco show in a, in a couple months. Yeah, so don't worry. Weeks. Oh, nice. We're still yeah. right down the nice. right down the you know middle, yeah. middle-aged uh, white dad lane. I think when I was talking uh, to. David setting this show up. I think it was right after I'd seen her uh, the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot show in in New York. So I yeah. was, that was that was on my mind. Um, but yeah, yeah. So go go. On. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I would just add also that um, uh, I honestly, in terms of marketing, like when you said you guys discovered a niche, like it occurs to me that like if we really narrowed it down even more, if we had had the wherewithal or thought to or cared to narrow it down even more, that almost would have been better. Meaning, if we only mm-hmm. did like you know, classic rock, if it was classic rock talks or something like that, like, you know, that would have been a niche or if it was like about rap or about R&B or something like that almost would be more marketable because people know kind of more what they're going to get. Whereas with us every week, you might get, you know, a soul music thing and then you might get, uh, you know, Buena Fist Social Club and you might get, you know, whatever. It kind of varies in terms yeah. of music that reflects to some extent our musical taste and, and also with that of our guest. Um, but, you know, hopefully people are along for the ride. And if they're just like, I'm just not interested in you know, listening to these guys talk about Kanye this week, fine. <laughs> Next week it'll be, you know, Tom Petty or whatever. So I'd also say like as a as a podcast listener, sometimes I you know, I find some show that I don't I don't really know anything about. Maybe somebody recommended it to me, maybe I just stumbled across it. And I'll I'll scroll through the rest of the feed just to to see if there's anything. And often the the first episode I'll listen to is something that's two or three years old that's mm-hmm. that's just, you know, down the middle for me. And so I figure that the way we're doing it here, somebody could, in, you know, a year from now stumble on our show and there's going to be something in the feed that they like. There's going to be like the, we're covering enough uh, different genres that it's going to be pretty unlikely that somebody's going to look through the, the 30 movies that we've looked at and think that they don't like the, any of them. Yeah. You know, if they don't like any of them, they probably don't like music that much or <laughs> just whatever. It's like it's OK to call that one a loss. We're, we're, we're just not for them, you know. So, uh, so I, I think of that sort of like long tail theory of, of audience building as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you were saying about scrolling through when I, when I came across your, your podcast, I looked through the episodes and I was like, oh, digs there. Okay. That they know their stuff then, you know, like it was like, there were a couple that like popped up that I was like, okay, they're talking, they're talking about like legit docs here. Yeah. Okay. Let me start listening. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I, I mean, at this point you guys I don't know if you I would assume you have a spreadsheet of like, you know, a, a list and <laughs> and I would almost just put them like in a random, you know, name generator and just spit them out, like you said, with a, a machine just to kind of like make it make it a marketable thing. Like, what are we going to do this week? And you kind of like spin the wheel <laughs> yeah. and see what pops up. Um, no, but I, yeah, yeah, it's it really is great that you guys cover so much. And because like you said, there's such a wide range of everything like you you've I've seen so many and I forget about which ones I've I've seen until you know someone brings it up like 
you know, it, it's, it is, it is, uh, you have so much material to work with and it's great that you guys cover so much that you're not just super niched in like classic rock because that while interesting, those stories are interesting. It's also, there's so many other stories that can be told. It's really nice that people spend years and tons of money uh, making these movies so that we can just jump on and for free talk about them <laughs> and then publish it, you know, after, you know, doing an hour's worth of work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was the first rock doc each of you really loved? Yeah. So uh, this is a funny one because it's it's the one we did an episode on that David absolutely despises. But the, the, the first rock doc that I remember truly like owning and watching over and over again was Bittersweet Motel. The, the I think, yeah, I remember. You, yeah. I think you mentioned that in like the review, the the, yeah. the season review or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I've 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 since paid attention, and it, it it seems to come up in the fish community a lot. I think of fish fans of my age, um, that was like, especially during the the years that you know the the years that they took hiatus, um, if you were a little bit too young to be going to shows in the the 1.0 era there was like a two-year period where you you were probably primed for that stuff but you couldn't see them and then helpfully there was a dvd available at every best buy in america um <laughs> and so and so i i think i think there's uh, i'm not especially alone in my experience of having that be a, a formative rock doc yeah uh i would say um Probably the one that I first really, you know, was attached to was when I probably from about 1991 for about 10 years. Like I was like U2 was my number one thing. Like they were the, mm. the biggest band in the world. And I was just so into them and saw them in concert a million times. I still like them and I like their music. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not really that into what they're doing now. But um, and so that was like when I was a teenager or in college or whatever. And so Rattle and Hum, uh, I mean, I had the Laserdisc. And, um, I mean, I, it was just on like every day, you know, it was just one of the, it's like Mm -hmm. the time in your life when you could just, you know, come home from school or on the weekend, just throw something on and your friends would be hanging out and you all knew it. And, you know, so it's, it kind of occupied that like, you know, big Lebowski space or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever era they've had their movie or their thing that they're really into. And, um, so that, I mean, I, we haven't done that for the show. I, I really probably have not seen that in 25 years. Um, I certainly know every moment of it by heart and um, <laughs> almost kind of scared to revisit it because I just don't know how it's going to hold up or how it's going to hit now. Um, but uh, yeah, that's definitely the one that uh, I was just, you know, totally head over heels for. Uh, yeah, to- I'll, I'll say also, I'll say real quick as an honorable mention, I, 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 I re- remembered this after we talked about this on the show and I forgot to say it on the show. So, so we, we get some new content here. Uh, I, I recall in like sixth grade, uh, a VHS copy of Pantera Cowboys from Hell. Oh yeah, uh, uh, was brought into school and and was sort of passed surreptitiously, locker to locker for for a couple weeks, and uh, that that did leave a, a real impression on me. There's like a lot of behind the scenes partying and stuff like that, and uh, I don't, I, you know, we had no idea what we were looking at, and I was, I, you know, I, I couldn't really be rightfully called a fan of any band at that time, but but yeah. that movie I remember I remember very fondly. The 80s, 90s, uh, heavy metal, hard rock band, uh, a, a VHS cassette filler behind the scenes content is like yeah. such a niche that I, I, I really haven't gone back and investigated, but I am fascinated by it. 
Yeah, those those like e those those video like uh, promo video like things that they would just put out uh, like for fan clubs or just to sell at like Sam right. Goodies or you know, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I had the Primus one that had like you know a bunch of their music videos and then like behind the scenes stuff and th those were. That's because uh, you, you didn't have YouTube. You had you had the VHSs right. and stuff like right. that. Right. So. It was always yeah. like we, ha we have enough music video. We have four music videos for this album, so that'll fill up you know twenty minutes. But we really this cassette really needs to be you know fifty minutes to be able to justify charging somebody nineteen bucks for it. So let's just do some behind the scenes footage of them partying <laughs> and a couple of quick interviews and throw it together. And I mean that's just that was very formative for me. Yeah, it was interesting because I was I just thought about this. The first doc that I ever saw was this unofficial Beatles documentary called um what was it called uh the ink the ink was it the the incomplete Beatles or the com the complete Beatles it was spelled c-o-m-p-l-e-a-t and mm -hmm. I went back and watched it for like the first I found it on YouTube after I used to watch it like every week when I was like four or five years old obsessed with the Beatles and stuff like that I went back and watched it and I was like how did I like think this was like anything good? <laughs> it yeah, was, yeah. You know, it was, you know, it wasn't bad, but it was just like had nobody involved with the Beatles was discussing. It was all outside people, and it was just like an unauthorized thing. So um, I'm hoping Rattling Home is not as you know bad for you as uh, this 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 doc was for me uh, revisiting it. <laughs> and, well, and you um, know, all those all, all those old things that they all have second life on YouTube now. All that yeah. stuff has been ripped onto YouTube, and and I, I've even started seeing. Uh, some accounts associated with with bands that I'm interested in, that are like Instagram accounts that that just take that that stuff from YouTube, rip it back onto Instagram, and sort of um, give it like a third life. It's, you know, yeah. it's like, like the, the, these these crappy uh, products that just will never die. They're, they're, <laughs> we're just working our way through their half life. Hey, look, you know, if Kate Bush can be number one again, you know, yeah, that's 30, right. Forty years later, you know, anything's possible. Um, so, do you guys just enjoy regular documentaries or just music docs? Yeah, I I like I, I there are a lot of uh, regular documentaries that I like, and, and we we do we often talk about, um, uh, you know, we, we bestow a, a compliment on on other movies that, that that qualify as rock docs, although they are not. Um, so it basically just means any sort of music heavy movie that's that that's an easy watch. So. Uh, like oh brother where art thou like, yeah that's a rock doc um <laughs> and uh, so i can think of like a handful of of documentaries i love that um uh, basically occupy the same space in my life as as rock docs like uh king of kong i don't know if you've ever seen that movie yep. love um it. yeah it's uh, you know the music's great the story's great it, it's it's you know it's got the pace of of sprinting sprinting down a city street type deal um Dogtown and Z Boys, oh, I yeah. think, is another another one along those same lines. Um, so, you know, I, I'm I'm not so into the like PBS uh, style documentary that I used to watch in like uh, seventh grade when a teacher was sick type deal. Um, mm -hmm. But but any sort of uh, stylized documentary hours of these ten, days, and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I um, I I, I like. I'm hesitant to say I like documentaries, which is kind of funny. Um, I, I mean, certainly the ones, and, you know, Dogtown Z Boys is great. There's great, you know, whatever, Hoop Dreams and, and great sports ones and, oh, you know, yeah, different yeah, topics yeah. like yep. that. The Tony Hawk one that was out recently, um, I think it's on HBO, uh, is real good, mm -hmm. especially for somebody who grew up, like, literally three miles from where <laughs> Tony Hawk <laughs> did um, at the same time. That was kind of weird. Um, but um, there's a, there is a kind of genre of, like, prestige 
documentary. I'm not talking about like Ken Burns. I like that stuff. But there's like mm-hmm. a kind of thing where, um, oh, I watch documentaries. Uh, have you seen, you know, this one that tells you all about like why all the food you're eating is bad or, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. about whatever, some serious topic. And that might be impo- like, it's not that I don't care about the environment or something like that. But, um, you know, there's this kind of, uh, you know, glossy prestige, uh, you know, we're going for an Academy Award or, oh, no, we're not just making some, you know, movie. This is a, you know, a real document. You know, there, there's that kind of thing that that doesn't hit right. And there was a, kind of a lot of those um, really in the... That's a very, like, in, uh, in second term Bush era. Yeah, it's yeah, a very, Obama, very, Bush very era. term too. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that kind like of, Michael Moore type stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, even Michael Moore. Like, I mean, I liked Roger and Me back when that came out, and um, yeah. you know, the early stuff. Like, he he did have this kind of like oddball Midwest punk rock energy. Um, you know, I think the later stuff, you know, gets knocked more, and maybe rightly so. Um, but yeah, but I'm talking about like the glossier, you know, like uh, I don't know, inconvenient truth, maybe that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and 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 you know, waiting for Superman. Yeah, the Bill oh. Gates one. Don't don't even. Don't get me started with that. Oh, you're one. a teacher, As right? Yeah. I'm a yeah. public educator. Yeah. 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 This so, is so anyway. Th- so yeah. to that extent, I have a problem with documentaries, but like I don't have a problem with the concept yeah. of nonfiction film. I mean, that's you know, yes, that's great. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the the how like putting the podcast together, one of the biggest hurdles that we've had during you know putting this podcast together and publishing it uh, on a regular basis. Um, has been the time to that we take to edit episodes and put together clips for social media. What's been your guys' approach to that? Both of those things: editing, you know, publicizing, all that kind of stuff. We don't do it, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend not doing that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would it would it would probably behoove us. Um, <laughs> yeah. we ha- we have ha- we have had some sound problems, and uh, you know, a little bit of a little bit snazzier promotion would probably help but um we sort of got into this on the premise that we could do it a very low effort mm-hmm. uh version of this where we would we'd watch some movies and talk about them and uh so far we're about a year in and we, we've stuck to that thus far yeah there's light editing when needed and uh i mean you know check out at rock Docs pod on twitter um so that's you know a lively conversation but we're not pulling clips people say you know hey this it'll be really great if your um podcast had like audio clips from the documentaries to illustrate what you guys are talking about. I'm like, yeah, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to do that. And neither is (laughs) Andy. I mean, that, I think that's, you know, because Steve, our producer is like, he works in the podcasting field. So when we started this, he approached us as like, we're going to try to make this professional as possible. And then once we got into it, it's hard to like, you know, stop doing it. And I, you know, I've been editing the last few episodes and, I can't stop because I'm like, if I do that, it's going to make it sound like worse and it's going to like kind of degrade it. But, you know, I also remember doing my friend's podcast and we would, like I said, there'd be four guys sitting in a room drinking and just whatever happened was up on the podcast. No, like the intro music was done live. Like we played it live (laughs) while we were in the room and that was it. Uh, But yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I like part of me appreciates that. And then like part of me is like, I don't know if I could let myself at this point, get to it. Future um, future podcasters, set the bar low to start. <laughs> you can always get better, but yeah. you know, don't don't yeah. don't you know trap yourself into it. And people will right. notice. People will notice a decrease in quality. So you know, yeah. set it really low. Yeah. <laughs> um. So another big issue uh, about our podcast, uh, as evident by Joe and Steve not being here, is 
like scheduling, scheduling for work, uh, scheduling for familial obligations. So how are you guys able to find time to record regularly, you know, and watch documentaries multiple times without driving your wives and families crazy? Well, it's that last part that's the tricky one. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, frankly, the hardest part is making sure that we build in enough time to watch each each movie, you know, at least two times to 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 really uh, be able to speak knowledgeably about it. Um, the research part of it, you know, we we try to do a little bit of supplemental research on each on each movie. That part you can you can kind of sneak that in, um, you know, wh- whenever you got a couple minutes. Um, but you know, a two-hour movie, you, you pretty much need a two-hour block of time to watch it. Um, the the scheduling-wise hasn't been so hard. Uh, you know, we have thirty-three percent fewer guests than you do, so we um, <laughs> that, that that makes it a little bit easier for us. Um, and and we do live very close, and our 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 wives are very good friends, so it's mm. it's it's been fairly easy. It all it almost it all happens after the kids go to bed anyway. Yeah. So, uh, well, so we also, I mean, really sometimes we, if we have guests and stuff or we're doing this during the day, our time, I mean, we both have jobs that are pretty flexible, which is nice. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to like show up and talk to kids and they expect you to be there <laughs> um, for your <laughs> job. I'm a lawyer. I have my own business. Andy's a journalist, um, you know, investigative journalist. So like, obviously we have responsibilities and obligations, but like we also kind of set our own schedules. So, yeah. you know, if we want to, if a guest is available at 10 o'clock in the morning, that's fine. Like if we're available, we do it. Mm. So that def- definitely, definitely helps. And then, uh, yeah, in terms of like the other stuff, like we, you know, we, both of our kids are pretty young. So like eight o'clock's bedtime. So it's not too bad to, to do a night, you know, recording. Um, even if, you know, Andy's coming to my place or whatever, it's, it's pretty doable. Um, yeah. but you know, scheduling with guests is always tricky because you've got more people involved. Um, and then time to watch the documentaries. Like for me, it's like, I'm, I'm doing this anyway. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, um, <laughs> I'm already watching these dumb movies over and over again. So it was like, ah, oh, I've just watched Sparks for the fifth time. Hey, Andy, maybe yeah. we should do a doc- do a podcast about this because I've already done the work. Yeah. Honey, I'm your sorry. Wives, yeah. Uh, my, do your wives enjoy them? or <laughs> No, I, no. <laughs> I, 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 that, that was one thing. It was like, I thought that that, that's, that has been a surprise to me. I thought that I'd be like, well, look, we'll have this thing that I have to watch. And we always com- complain about not being able to decide what we want to watch anyway. So now it'll be decided for us. You'll be able to come along for the ride. And let me tell you, she had no interest in that. <laughs> none. None interest. I think I think she, she made it most of the way through Billie Eilish with me and uh, maybe some of Linda Ronstadt. And that that's about the sum total of her involvement in this project so far. My wife, uh, I think my wife... Uh likes occasionally listening to our show more than actually watching the podcast which is like you don't hear enough of me and andy come on um but um but yeah she I, she likes uh music documentaries um she's not opposed to it but uh she falls asleep so um you know we could watch a regular movie or a tv show and she's game for it um but um, documentaries of almost any documentary um she'll be like this is great i'm really enjoying this and then pass out so um so yeah so uh she she hangs with it but mostly it's uh you know after she goes to bed or we're doing something else or i don't know what she's off doing whatever she's doing so i have a little bit of time and i'll throw it on 
Maybe an episode idea, maybe down for like season four or five. Let your wives pick the movie that you guys are going to watch, and and let them comment on it as well. Yeah, it's that's a good right. idea. That's a good idea. They, they would be they would be great podcasters, frankly. I have to say, really much better than us. <laughs> much better than us, frankly. I'm sorry to our listeners. <laughs> you're getting you're getting the second rate teams. Get Mana from, and Carly from, on, and it'll be uh, yeah. You get good yeah. stuff. So you said you both have young kids. How how old are your kids? Uh, they're mine. Uh, come September, I'll have a five year old and a two year old. Yeah, and I have a five year old. Gotcha. Yeah, my son is going to turn four in August. So having young kids, I am assuming that you have seen a plethora of, you know, <laughs> things good, bad, crazy, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I guess your boy. Uh, I don't know if you have boys or, all or boys. girls or whatever, but. All boys, oh, boys, all three of them. Okay, yeah. so you have a lot of boy energy going on, <laughs> lots of stuff, um, and you you have th- you know you got both you have ones going into kindergarten next year. So, what have been some of the most memorable moments, whether good, bad, ugly, or you know, uh, music related or just in general? A- in general, like yeah. in in general. Uh, let's see. Um, good memories. Well, my. Hmm. Remember, it's memorable. It could be good, bad, yeah. like, you know, your your kid threw up somewhere, like, uh, on some, I don't know. Well, one, I, we took a, a trip um, when my son was, like, just about to be one years old, and we were driving from uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, to Portland, Maine. Okay. P- pretty short trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first son was just, like, it, it was absolutely the easiest thing in the world to get him to go to sleep. You, if you were put it, had him in a car and you gave him milk, instantaneously he would be asleep and uh he was crying so loud we were you know 10 15 minutes in which was very unusual you know normal kid i'm sure that's fine but very unusual for us to be driving 15 minutes for him still crying and so we as just as we started to get a little bit concerned we looked back and he projectile vomited absolutely (laughs) everywhere i mean the entire car and this was a rental car this was a rental car and it was everywhere it was all oh. over the windows it was in the seats it was everywhere and we we, we yanked the car to the side of the road try to figure out what's going on here and um we realized that somewhere in the confusion of the night we had um not given him the fresh glass of milk that oh. we, the, the bottle of milk but but one that had been out all night and was spoiled and so that we had we had poisoned our poor our, our poor 10 month old child which was the the result of him <laughs> him projectile vomiting all over the car? And let me tell you, that was a that was a fun car to finish that that trip in. <laughs> that is amazing. I got I, I the, the the only I got a projectile vomit down the shirt while I was trying to change him out of a, a, a you know a shirt he had vomited in already. But that that's 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 fantastic. Yeah. That, that's a memorable story. <laughs> I don't think I can match that one. I. I uh... You know, but just thinking about traveling with kids, just the perspective. Um, you know, we just went. Uh, my my family, my parents, my sister and her kids, and a whole bunch of people. We went to Israel for two weeks, and um, oh, nice. with my kid who's five, and um, so we went all over the country. We stayed in four different like places, four different hotels, and people keep asking my kid, 
uh, hey, so what was your favorite part of Israel? And all he says is swimming in four different pools, swimming in the pools. It's like we live in San Diego. Like you could, there's pools, there's a lot of pools. Like we don't have a pool, but my parents do, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, um, do we have to drag you halfway across the earth to go swimming? Like, you know, we really could just do that here. <laughs> but um, I'm sure you got something else out of it, but uh, that's just, uh, you know, his take on it. Just take him where there's a pool hey. and he's happy. Yeah. How, how did he do on the flight? Because when I went to Israel on birthright, I like my my I did not sleep on the way back and I was messed up for like a whole week. I thankfully was sick on the way over and slept like most of the flight over. But like I can't even imagine having an overtired, you know, four year old while you're traveling through Israel for we, a week. Uh, he did fine. We um, I mean, we've flown with him a bunch. We hadn't flown with him internationally since he was like an infant. Um because of COVID mm. and stuff. But, um, you know, we've gone to the East Coast a bunch of stuff, so he's kind of used to it. Uh, on the way there, we, like, our flight, you know, left at, like, 8 p.m. or something like that, and so it was, like, mm -hmm. an evening thing. On the way back, our flight back, like, out of Tel Aviv, um, uh, left at 1 a.m. <laughs> so, um, oh, wow. yeah, and so, um, you know, he he slept and then um, just watched cartoons the whole time. Like, you know, uh, like Andy's younger kid, you know, who's just like walking, like that would be way worse. You know, he wants to be moving. <laughs> but a five-year-old, yeah. like at least my five-year-old, like the amount of cartoons he's willing to watch is, it, you know, we haven't reached <laughs> the end of that level. <laughs> so he was, per you know, we would land and we, he'd be like, wait, I have to turn off the TV, you know? So, um, yeah. so that was totally fine. And they, yeah, he, he did good. The whole sleep, you know, changed. I mean, he, he was fine. He did better than the adults. Speaking of which, so I, I, I was just in Ohio visiting my wife's family for the 4th of July. And uh, for work-related reasons, my wife had to fly with the oldest son and I had to fly alone with the youngest son. And uh, on the flight out there, this was a full flight. The, the, there were two empty seats on the entire plane. Oh, wow. And uh, the, uh, my 18-month-old, 20-month-old at this point, was, was a lap infant. So we were, we were sitting on one seat together. And just in, as people were coming on the plane, he decided to throw the world's biggest temper tantrum. I mean, <laughs> in, in my entire career as a parent, I have never seen a temper tantrum like this while people are filing in on the plane for the mm -hmm. first time. And so, you know, I don't know if this was his plan or what, but there are two empty seats on the entire plane and they were both next to us. <laughs> so, wow. so he... There, wow. Just every person on this Southwest flight came in and was like, I will sit anywhere except next to that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you guys had so a whole the, aisle we, or whatever. We had an entire aisle to ourselves. And, and sure enough, just as soon as we push off and take off, he decides he's, he's good. He's got it out of his system. He fly, he sits down and we got, he got two seats to himself just to sleep all night. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we we flew. We've only flown once with our, uh, with my son, and he that was last June. So he was about two, oh, not even three, like two and a half. And we flew to Florida, pack flight. Uh, we you know we put him in a car seat on, on on the flight, and he just was kicking the seat in front of him. The and I felt bad, and you know because I'm like I don't want to be those parents. You know I don't want to be that parent. Um, eventually, like he watched you know find you know Finding Nemo like eight you know once or twice through through the flight. And then on the flight back, I felt bad because the same people who were in front of us were on the, in front of us on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was kicking their seat again. I was just like, oh, no, no, no. Um, that's but, funny. you know, yeah, he but otherwise he's, you know, he, he did fine. But, yeah, I, I, that's I it's like a nightmare of mine is like thinking, how can people travel, you know, with li such little kids internationally on long flights and just. Yeah, uh, but you're, you I guess are, they do. 
you, at least in my experience, you are like right on the verge of it getting a lot easier. You're yeah. you, like, you're, you know, you're, you said yours is uh, about to be four, right? Yeah. And, yes. and at least with every, him, you're, you're about to get a lot yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, he, uh, that's, a, you know, another thing at this stage, it's like everything's exploding. Like his vocabulary is exploding, his understanding of what's going on, his ability to, you know, be deceitful and lie and stuff is exploding. But, you know, it's that it, it really is, you know, part of the childhood that I, I'm really appreciating because he's becoming a person and he's understanding concepts. He understands consequences. He'll throw a tantrum if he gets a consequence. But, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things. Which, which brings me up to another question. Do you guys have like, do you... Are you like a hardcore discipline type? You guys don't seem like you're, you're that type of parent. Um, but how do you deal with like when your child throws the worst temper tantrum? Maybe not on a plane, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but like at home. Like, w- w- how do you guys approach that? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. We're not. M- m- my wife and I are not very much in the way of hardcore discipline disciplinarians. We um, we have a a, a pretty simple little. Um, timeout which we don't really even call timeout he's got he's got a, a little step that if he really throws down on we'll bounce him over to the step until he calms down and then we just go talk to him and tell him um so uh i'll let you know in like 16 years whether that worked out <laughs> um but uh that's the, the we we've chosen a very uh conversational uh, talk talk him through it type type deal and uh yeah um we do, we do, you know, I'm, I'm, we we do use the word no. I don't know. I run into people at the playground and stuff who who never say no and and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> I hear it. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know how you like. I I remember being taught like working at you know with kids. It's like never say don't do this because then they'll do the thing you're saying don't because the last thing they hear is this. But it, it's impossible not to. I saw, I was at the playground the other day and there was a, a little girl, cute as can be, but she had a, a giant stick, like a ten foot stick, and she was just swinging it and slamming it near all the kids. And her mom, her mom was nearby, going, uh, "Mabel, think about your choices." <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was just cracking up. I was just like, you know, it would just be so much easier to just tell her not to swing the stick at the kid's face, but but uh, but you know, I don't know. Maybe who knows? Who knows who's going to prove to be right on this one? <laughs> you know, we're not uh, super disciplinarian either. Uh, fortunately, my kid hasn't had that many like giant tantrums. Once in a, like you know, the full blown lying on the floor like cannot get control of it tantrum. He's had a few. When he does, he often is aware of it. And he's like, I can't stop. I can't get control of it. You know, and he's like, you know, he he was talking uh, pretty early. um, So he was able to, like, tell us what was going on. Um, And when those happen, like, I mean, we just know we just got to wait it out. I mean, it's kind of like I do, like, business negotiation. That's, like, my work. You know what I mean? And, like, (laughs) you know, sometimes people are in a dispute or they're whatever. And, like, 90% of the time, the advice I'm giving people is, like, just give it a few days or whatever, like, you know, whatever, wait the weekend and it's not going to be that big of a deal. It's going to be fine. You know, and, and, yeah. you know, having done it long enough, it's just really a matter of giving people a little bit of time to like chill out. So whether they're a, you know, 45 year old that I'm dealing with having a tantrum over email, you know, um, or a, you know, five year old in my house having a tantrum, it's like, you just got to wait, like kind of on a similar tip. Like when I had a, when my kid was a baby, I was like, like asking, like, uh, you know, are they ever going to get into this sleep cycle or whatever it is? And and a friend of mine who has got kids a little bit older was just like, when they're young, like everything is two weeks. And like, I don't know why that stuck in my head, 
And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I can deal with whatever for two weeks, right? Um, you know, it's like finals of law school. Like, okay, it's, you know, whatever, two weeks and I'll get through it or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I know that's not a hard and fast rule. Like the kid did not, you know, sign off on this being a two-week thing. But most things basically kind of have a cycle like that. So if there's a problem with sleeping or like they don't want to eat all of a sudden or they don't want to do this or, you know, they're, they're having trouble adjusting to school or w- at whatever age it is, just keeping that in my head, I've found to be pretty helpful. Like, you know what? In two weeks, this is probably going to be in the past. We'll be dealing with something else and, and just, um, I don't know. It's kind of that, that framing. So it's, it's really just a time thing, I think. You know, you just got to hang in there. Yeah. Just got to outlast them, yeah. wear them out. Yeah, it's it's what it's uh, we've we realized we did actually had an incident last night where he refused to eat the, the dinner that my wife put out for him. And we were just like, all right, so these are your choices. He didn't want any of his choice. These choices we gave him. And we just sat and said, OK, just sit there. And eventually he ate. And then we gave each other a high five. <laughs> we're, like, yeah. we're like, it we did it. We, we did it. We had a good parenting moment there where we, you know, outlasted him. But, you know, yeah, our son is pretty similar to your guys. He's pretty, he doesn't throw many tantrums, but it's always just interesting hearing the different uh, styles of parenting. And I, I was going to say that that one parent seems, and I, I apologize if this is too stereotypical, but very SoCal, uh, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Uh, type of, like, you know, hippy-dippy kind of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. parenting. It was. Um, it, 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 it stood out even to me living down here. <laughs> <laughs> um. So obviously you guys like music, and David, I see in the background you have a, a, a I assume is a, a nice Strat. Um, and what, you know, what's your kids' interest in music at this at this point? Um, are they into music at all? Is it changing constantly? Do they not care? Uh, my son used to really like fish. Uh, he mm-hmm. now has realized that it's a good way to dunk on me to say that he hates fish. So that's what he does a lot. <laughs> he should he should be on my he should be on my podcast co host. <laughs> Yeah, me and Callum, um, he, count it up. He he really likes uh, Alicia Keys. Um, he he sings um, "Girl on Fire" and um, and "Empire State of Mind" a lot. In fact, he um, I guess at school one day they um, they were playing songs and the teacher was like you know putting them on Spotify or whatever. And they were they were singing songs they knew and he asked to play "Girl on Fire," and they were singing it. And one of his classmates said. Wait a second. Why is this girl on fire? <laughs> and and he, he said, no, no, no. It just means she's strong and confident. <laughs> so nice. uh, uh, so he he likes that. He likes Taylor Swift. He said to me the other day, "Daddy, why are Bob Marley, Taylor Swift, and Alicia Keys the greatest singers ever?" So that's <laughs> wow. that's basically where his his interests lie. Yeah, my kid uh, is not. Although his name is Miles, he's not a super music head, I would say. Uh, he, um, for a long time, and maybe even now if I asked him, but for like years, from when he was like not even two to, I don't know, pretty recently, his favorite song was Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs, um, nice. which is a classic 60s instrumental. If you're listening to this, you don't know Green Onions, like go look it up on Spotify. And the yeah. second you hear it, you'll, you'll be like, know it. oh yeah, I've heard <laughs> this in 10,000 movies and commercials or whatever else. It's a classic instrumental like organ tune. Um, like I was just playing for it one and he grooved to it. And I put it on again and then he just asked for it for years. Um, he also likes Knocking on Heaven's Door, uh, the Bob Dylan version. He, I haven't played the Guns N' Roses version, but he might like that too. Um, so uh, he likes, I play a lot of Bob Dylan. He likes that. I mean, we play all kinds of music in the car. 
Um, the only music that, other than that, that he really got attached to was for a while he was really into the movie Encanto, uh, which I'm oh, sure yeah. you're uh, familiar with. And uh, so he was really into the music from that, uh, which was cool. Like, I thought it was pretty good. Um, so I didn't mind that. Um, but yeah, much as I, ch- you know, he likes playing music around the house. Um, and sometimes he expresses interest in playing drums, which I'm in favor of and my wife isn't. Um, so, um, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get him piano lessons, uh, like in a year or something, um, and see how that goes, um, just to kind of expose him to things. Uh, he's really into baseball. You know, they get into whatever they get into. So, uh, you know, I mean, we put a lot of music on around him and he, you know, likes it or whatever, but, um, you know, we're not trying to kind of force him to have the same interests we do. Yeah, I uh, my son for I think his his favorite song uh, overall so far in his short life is "Sign Seal Delivered." Oh, that's um, a good one. Interestingly enough, it's he got one. into yeah. he got into it because I was playing the Sharon Jones version like mm. on her uh, 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 sure. uh, on the last album they had put out, and he got into that. And then I played him the Stevie Wonder version, and so he then got into that. And but he's also. Like he, he, yeah, like, like your son, he has, he likes music, but he hasn't shown any kind of like super interest. You know, I tried him to get him to play like on my drums and stuff, which he sometimes likes to do. And we bought him a little ukulele, which he, you know, he does. Lately, he's been making up songs that make no sense and are like totally like, you know, not like they're just songs, but they're not songs, like kind of, kind of thing. And the song he's obsessed with right now is the Magic School Bus theme. Uh, cause we started, we, we <laughs> and on Spotify, there's not the original Magic School Bus theme. It's like five. Five covers and they're all different and he just likes listening to those five over and over and <laughs> over again which yeah. is kind of frustrating uh for me but yeah it, it's it really is it's interesting because you know for me like i have a hard time sometimes because i was so into music as a kid and my dad played so much music in the house and my brother and i just both gravitated to it um so it's like oh i when i was you know before i had we we had it my son i was like oh i can't wait to get him into music and then he's just like, I'd rather play Legos or do art yeah. or, you know, play with my magnetile. So it's like, for me, it's like getting over that and being like, he's going to be what he's going to be. He will expose him to music and, and do that. But for a while, it was like hard for me like, <laughs> yeah. to, to deal with that. Yeah, I've, I've struggled to, to um, in the way that I, sh- I know I should, to let him be with sports. He, he has no interest in sports and I'm, I'm a bit of a sports nerd. Um, and he just has no interest in that. I will say, though, he my son has a real proclivity to recognize lyrics he picks up on lyrics in songs and asks like like questions that he's 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 thinking about them the right way in a way that really catches my attention i have no idea where that came from but i'll so i ask him if he wants to like learn music all the time he says he has no interest in instruments he likes he likes singing and he likes lyrics so i don't know that's fine we need lead singers you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, one one other thing that I, I do want to ask before mm-hmm. I let you guys go: What band would you love to see a documentary made about that hasn't had one made about them yet? David, you go ahead first. This is something we kick around a lot. I mean, the the, the weird thing is, like, there's a lot. I mean, it, it it's like it, it it sort of seems like right now that um, a lot of these studios have started like cleaning out the vault and recognizing yeah. that the time is now to to get people's memory on tape if they haven't yet so i I think we're gonna see a run here coming soon but Mm -hmm. i I don't know david who's 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 the most important one for you um you know it's hard to say i mean my favorite band is guided by voices there are some old documentaries Mm -hmm. about them uh from the 90s um but there's really not a you know one certainly not one that spans the career recently i mean 
the lead singer slash main guy, Bob Pollard, recently gave his first very brief interview that he's done in 10 years. And the reason he gave it is because, like, the reporter, like, was the bass player briefly in the band at one point, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> so he grudgingly agreed to, like, give the guy a few words, but he just doesn't want to talk about what he does um, for the most part. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I really think they're due. But, but um, in terms of uh, bigger subjects... Um, I would say uh, one that doesn't really have a documentary at all that I'm aware of, um, and it's just surprising to me. We were just talking about this the other day. Is REM? Yeah, I was just thinking about. It. I literally was just thinking alongside about alongside yeah. you too. REM was like my favorite thing in the you know when I was a teenager, um, and I still think their stuff holds up so well. Um, they were really huge. I mean, they were not like some obscure band. You know, they were as big. You know, for a while. I mean, for a good ten year run, they were as big as just about any band could be. Um, you know, and they, uh, you know, they, they don't really seem to be that concerned with their legacy. So, um, you know, I guess that's probably why there's not a documentary. Maybe they just don't care to bother to, to sit and rehash everything. They seem to just have moved on with their lives and seem all to be pretty stable people. And that's good. Um, but, um, you know, I think they've unfortunately been kind of forgotten. And just like kind of like the Grateful Dead were sort of rediscovered a few years ago by the indie rock world. And everybody's like, oh, wait, these guys were here all along and they're actually great. Um, I feel like R.E.M. is at some point going to be due for that kind of discovery where like all these, you know, 20 year olds in bands like start aping that sound. And um, when that day happens, I'm just going to be like, hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, if somebody can get them together. They have the song exp that, that that Netflix series yeah. song exploded. They have that one about losing my religion. Right. Um, right. Sure. But not like the is, whole is, career. It, it, Right, but that that itself, like the story of that, just that was amazing, and it's like I want to hear more of that because these are four guys who love each other, and it's like the story of their because they were they just it was like they really were another band that just like organically came out, and then they kind of ended it on their own terms, and it's like that kind of story is I think would be interesting to hear. Yeah, uh, so another one that is is an odd one that they that they don't have anything like this because they are responsible for one of the most famous pieces of music ever set to film is Talking Heads. Um, I think, a, you know, a, a real uh, Soup to Nuts Talking Heads documentary could be fantastic as well. They sort of span a really important and interesting era in music. They did have quite a bit of drama within the band. Um, they, you know, sort of high highs. And it's, you know, uh, Talking Heads, I don't think really ever need to be rediscovered. I think there's like always a fresh batch of college kids who who decide that that's like the best thing to party to. Mm. Um, and they're right about that. It is the best thing to party to. So, uh, you yeah, know, I don't I think Talking Heads would be an interesting one. Yeah. I, I wonder how many uh, Mr. Burns uh, we would get in, in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Josh, could we could we turn that one back on you? What band, artist, genre, scene, whatever? It could be anything. Well, REM was actually one I was thinking of. Um, and just, you know, for my own personal, um, you know, tastes and stuff, especially having read uh, his book recently, and I know that there was a behind the music, of it, but the Black Crows seem like there needs to be like oh, yeah. a legitimate mm -hmm. documentary on, you know, that, I mean, just because you have Steve Gorman's side and you kind of need like, I know a lot of people know the Robinson Brothers side, but it's kind of like you need the, 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 what actually went down and, I mean, I don't know. That, that it, it's an interesting one t t for me, but I, I guess, like in in reality, <sighs> let's think. Um, I would love to see uh, one, and this is it, they're not rock, but I would love to see a weather report documentary. 
I would yes. love to see a, a, a documentary. I mean, you had the Jocko documentary, which and that's is a great fantastic. One. The Jocko yeah. documentary, Andy, we got to do that one. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. It's and it's okay. so it's good. dark, but it's yeah. really good. Uh, it's 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 great, you know. And it's made by two bass players. You know, it was, it was it was a flea and and, right. and the guy from Metallica. Trujillo, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, Robert Trujillo. He was they were the executive producers. Um, but Weather Report was a band that lasted. You know, went from the early days of fusion out of Bitches Brew. All the way into like almost the smooth jazz era, uh, yeah. And but it was just it, it was a rotating cast of characters except for Joe Zavinul and or Zavinul and uh, Wayne Shorter, and those two guys seem like they are total polar opposites in yes. terms of whatever. And I feel like you know Joe's dead, Wayne is getting old, and I feel like right. there needs to be something with with Wayne Shorter before he need you know. He, he he passes away because that is that band was so seminal and Birdland just the song Birdland is so important in every junior high kid's career of playing that song in jazz band like you know it, it, and it just it's I don't know I I think they're such a great band that there needs to be a story told about them because I feel like they're not recognized for you know what they did as much um, you know, beyond the jazz scene. And they and, kind of, you know, affected a lot of people. And jazz fusion, like, you know, as a genre really is not, I mean, there's already like a dearth of, there's certainly jazz documentaries, but it's not getting as much attention as like rock or maybe even hip hop yeah. or whatever. Um, but jazz fusion, like is its own thing. And so, you know, you could also do a documentary that's like about them, but also return to forever and everything, you know, kind of yeah. covering that era um, and, and the fans of it. And, and, you know, there's probably a lot of interesting stuff there. So, yeah. Plus, you would give a great ending about, or not a great ending, but like almost like a, a, a nice part of the story is how it de- devolved into terrible smooth jazz, like Kenny G type stuff. And then, you know, went, you know, kind of ha- has found its like, you know, uh, rebirth in, you know, underground independent music and, and, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. And, and, the, and the listening to Kenny G documentary uh, that came out last <laughs> year is so good. It's so. Uh, I didn't good. even know. That, oh, there is, is there. I didn't. There's even know a documentary was... called "Listening to Kenny G." It came out on HBO. I know we're getting ready to wrap this up, but you know, it's I just okay. got to plug this. It was part of the Music Box uh, series. Uh, the director is named Penny Lane, um, and she went into this not being really a fan of Kenny G. And he go. It, I, I'm not going to talk about this as long as I easily could, and we've never done an episode about it, but really, it really merits one. But you could watch this movie and come out really liking him and liking his music, or you could watch it hating it, come out hating it and hating his music even more. It, it's There's so much to be found there. He's such an interesting guy. Uh, and I'll just say, like, go to HBO, you know, and watch Listening to Kenny G, and um, it's fascinating. So this that would be a great double feature. You get, like, a, a smooth, you know, a, a, a you know, a, a, a jazz fusion, you know, or a weather report thing, and, and then you flip to Ken, the Kenny G doc, and you just, you're, you got quite a night for yourself. Yeah. So I got to now I got to go watch that. So at the end of every episode, we like to we, you know, the three of us usually talk about what music we've been listening to. And we like to ask our guests the same thing. But it's usually three songs. But since you guys are, you know, into into docs, I'm, I'm going to ask you for uh, two songs that you've been listening to lately and a rock doc recommendation that has not been on your podcast. Mm-hmm. OK. All right. So I'll, um. Songs I've been listening to lately, I'll say um, one song I, I really like a lot um, is by a band from Pittsburgh called String Machine. And they have a song, Gales of Worry. 
um, that I, I'm sort of, I can't really stop listening to it right now. And then the other song I'll say is um, by a band I really like called uh, Goose. Um, I don't oh know, do you, yes, do you yes. Know, do you know I Goose? know of Goose. Okay. I, I they are like I, when I first found them, I'm like oh, this is just another like they're another, just another fish type band, yeah. you know. But at the same time, I'm a big Wolfpack fan, yeah, so yeah. I appreciate what they're doing because it feels like they are doing the same thing. I don't know if Goose is uh, like on any label or if it's just independent, but I appreciate bands like that who literally start from nothing and just get this grassroots, uh, you know, fan base. And then they're playing Radio City Music Hall for like, I think one or two nights or three. I don't yeah. even know how many, but yeah. you know, that's, you know, I, I, I've tried listening to them. I, I really have. I, it's not my thing, but uh, I do appreciate them as a, a, you know what they're doing. I think right, the new great. album, well, the new album is is strong, uh, yeah. and uh, I Andy and I saw them live a few months ago. It's my first time seeing them. And nice. I'm not as a non jam band guy, uh, by and large. Uh, they were great. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll recommend the song from their new album, Hunger Sight. People might like that. Uh, Trey Anastasio played that with them at Radio City Music Hall a couple weeks ago. Nice. Sat in with them. Um, as far as a doc that we have not yet done, I, I, you know, I'll I, I mentioned it earlier, but this is one that I um, that I, I hope we do at some point soon. I'll say, uh, "Ain't in it for my health." The the Levon Helm documentary. Anybody who who likes the band at all, um, or uh, honestly anybody who who doesn't, I think would would love that movie. I think it's uh, a real picture of. Uh, uh, an important musician at the end of his life and yeah. uh, I think it's a, a great movie it's definitely a hard watch at times like yeah. when he's at the doctor's office oh, that's man, just like, like scraping his lungs yeah uh, yeah it's terrible but you know it is it is a really good doc yeah I, I highly recommend that as well uh yeah so um I'm struggling to think of the two songs because really what I've been listening to lately is like so I'm a huge fan of the podcast Joker Men uh, which was one of the inspirations for our, our podcast. And so um, they started, uh, the original concept was that they are about Bob Dylan, but they start kind of after the, the 60s stuff and get into the later stuff in his career and really appreciate that. Um, and, um, and so they went through that and they pretty much went through 
two years of Bob Dylan, and uh, it was great. They recently pivoted, and now because they kind of like you know we're like we can't talk about Bob Dylan forever. Um, now they're doing a series for a couple of years about the work of uh, Lou Reed and John Cale. So they're talking about the Velvet Underground, oh, nice. but specifically like the solo work of Lou Reed and John Cale. And I know all of Lou Reed's catalog, you know reasonably well but i really hadn't I'd, I'd only listened to a few john kale albums specifically um so now i'm like okay i need to really get you know get go deep on john kale so i've been listening to like his whole catalog which is like you know 40 50 years of music <laughs> um mm-hmm. so there's not one song that i've been repeating over and over again because i've just been crashing through album after album for the last few weeks but uh i will recommend john kale because he's great The first John, the first John Kale album, the, the the first solo rock album that he put out post Velvet, the Vintage it's, Violence one. That's a great Vintage one. Violence. Paris it's so good. Is great. Yeah, um, that that whole Vintage Violence album is unreal. And and that, honestly, like to me, it sounds like a Lou Reed album. It's literally yeah. what you would expect Lou Reed to do. You yeah. Know? In terms of uh, documentaries, I mean, I guess Andy left me the easy one. <laughs> yeah. Oh which, yeah, yeah, that's right. Which, uh, you know where we're going with this. So um, this is like just—it's uh, become a running bit. <laughs> it's a documentary that we may never actually discuss on the show because it may kill us to do so. Um, but the, in our opinion, the greatest music documentary of all time is the history of the Eagles. Um, it's so <laughs> good. You don't have to be an Eagles fan, and Andy and I don't really care for the Eagles. I really have no interest in the Eagles as a band, but as a documentary subject. I am. They are the best. <laughs> it's incredible. Is that is that is that the one that was on Showtime or whatever? Like, uh, or it was. It, it was at yeah, one point. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because I definitely I remember seeing that, and it, it is. It is a fantastic documentary, and I am not a fan of the Eagles either. But the fact that they like their lives were intertwined with so many amazing artists in in that Southern California era is just yeah. And and there's yeah. different kinds of music documentaries. Like there's the ones that are just good vibe. You throw it on and you're, you know, having a good time and, you know, having the background relaxing and it's good music. You get a little bit of that, uh, you know, in terms of the Eagles. But by and large, the juice is from um, their hatred of each other. Uh, particularly, <laughs> particularly Don Don Hanley. Felder Don Felder. But well, I was going to say Don Felder also thrown in there. That's, Don Felder gets you know. it. You know, Don Henley. Um, you know, is such a uh, such an articulate uh, supervillain that um, <laughs> you know he's like a Bond villain. Like he's you know he's rich and famous and powerful and has it all and has no reason to have any gripe with anything, and yet his you know his, his the precision with which he takes the opportunity to slam these people is so you know incredible it's just it's the best thing he ever did it's better than any of his records is the way yes. he you know refers to don felder as mr felder <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he in that movie he never refers to don felder as anything other than mr felder it's <laughs> as if as if he's in a legal deposition or something <laughs> yeah uh so it's so great it's incredible so anyway and seeing you know any any time you can have joe walsh on for you know uh Half an hour, hour, you know, just yeah. like well, yeah. I love he- wa- hearing him talk. But that's the oh, great absolutely. mix because in that movie, you get Joe. Joe Walsh doesn't hate anybody, and nobody hates Joe Walsh, so he's great. You, he brings in the levity and the good times, and then you get you know Henley Felder. These guys just like twisting the knife 
Oh my god, it's so good. I've seen it so yeah. many times. It, it, it is a really, it's a really good one. David, Andrew, thanks for coming on to Dad Rocks. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you know which documentaries uh, you guys uh, you know are taking in and commenting about. It's it's wonderful to hear, and it gives me you know gets me excited about watching movies about bands that I enjoy. So, or, or don't even, you know, maybe don't know anything about. So, you know, thanks again. <laughs> Kenny G, uh, the Eagles, all your favorites. I got it. <laughs> uh, Josh, thanks for having us. It was great, man. Thanks for listening to this episode, and a special thanks to Andrew Keats and David Lizabram for coming on to the show. Definitely go check out their podcast, Rock Docs, which you can find on all podcasting services. You can follow them on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, both at Rock Docs Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard on our podcast and haven't already, please go ahead and follow, like, subscribe, or whatever you need to do to automatically get new episodes of this podcast. We'd also really appreciate it if you left a review on whichever podcasting platform you use or just told a friend or two about the show. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Dad Rocks Pod, as well as on Facebook. Just search up Dad Rocks Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or any show ideas for us, or just want to give us a shout, you can always message us on those social media outlets or email us at dadrockspod at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening today, and remember, dads, you rock. <laughs>